Change is inevitable. Everyone shifts. Welcome to a conversation about currently changing human behaviors and how we can either get ahead or fall behind. Hosted by Rick Shaughnessy and Charlie Witkowski, founders of Timecraft. Timecraft helps brands do the right thing today, so they're prepared for tomorrow. Take it away, fellow humans. All right, welcome to episode five. Good start. Is episode this, five. Is this five? Uh, <laughs> is this five, right? Of, yeah. everyone, of everyone shifts. Is it everybody shifts? It doesn't matter. Um, most importantly, we're excited today to have Brian Corcoran here from. Uh, can you give a little bit of uh, background? Yeah, so my name is Bryna Corcoran. I'm the head of brand social media and influencers at Lyft. I am coming up to almost three years wow. at Lyft, wow. which is wild. It's I joined in May too, yeah. of, <laughs> yeah, I joined in May of 2020. And I always think back to that time just as in the world, but being a travel, transportation, and hospitality company mm. in the early days of COVID was a trip. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say pun intended. Yeah, Come on. You could, you could have attended that one. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that had to be amazing just to go through. And just if anybody doesn't know, mm. Lyft is a ride-sharing app that's better than Uber, right? Right. Okay. Yeah, so that's got right. That. Just want to put that out there so everyone had that on the record. <laughs> Um, we have so, priorities here. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, we've just a little background on Brian and I work together. We've both started in the OG days. What is social media like 10 years old, 10 ish? Like what I'm trying to, I was trying to think through like, when did this officially start as like a separate thing from the internet? Cause I know we were both working in that when that started yeah. and you continue to work in that. So I was kind of just curious from your perspective, like you don't need, we don't need to do like the way, way, way back machine, but like how you've seen it kind of shift or what the, yeah. I, mean, I was even, I wrote down, I was like, what the hell is it right now? Because I feel like it's part of everything, but it's also its mm -hmm. own thing. And how I was just, I wanted to get your just thoughts on the landscape and where it's at and like kind of what your dominion, right. like where do you sit in the scheme of everything? Yeah, are, are, I see it so integrated. And are, are you in a silo? Is it even yeah. in a silo? You know, is it in an operational silo kind of thing? We're just kind of curious about that. Yeah, I would say it's an exciting time actually to be in social to Charlie's point. Um, I've seen it, um, like I've been in it basically since the beginning, not to, not to like age myself, but I believe like Twitter, I don't know, you'll have to fact check me, but I think Twitter is 17 years old, maybe. <laughs> and right. and uh, Facebook is, I think, coming up on 19 years, if you count like the very early days of it being in like on the college campuses. Right, right. So. I've, I've pretty much been in it more or less since the beginning and I started on the brand side. So, um, when we worked together, we were on the agency side, okay. but it, it's, but when I started, it was, uh, I was working for Hewlett Packard and HP global company, and it had kind of just like started to permeate marketing and nobody knew what to do with it. Um, nobody knew like how to community manage it. Nobody knew mm -hmm. how to like put market. They all, everybody treated it as like a, a distribution channel. Like, Oh, mm -hmm. put this thing on there and people will come and right. they'll see We're it. We're doing it somewhere and, else. Let's just throw it up. Yeah, on if whatever. you build yeah, it, they, let's if, just throw you, it up. if you build it, they will come. Not exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
Um, and I don't think anybody really realized that it requires creative, you know, right. a creative team or community manager. Or what do you do when you have a crisis or somebody's right. complaining about something like the whole customer service model was so new and uncharted back then. Um, and so it's always kind of just been this thing that's like attached to marketing, mm -hmm. but nobody really understood it. And I, when, it, when I say nobody, I mean like top, top down. Sure. Um, over the last, I would say, actually, I'd, I, the pandemic really put the gas on it, to be honest. I would mm -hmm. say in the last like three, four years, I've started to see it become more and more credible inside the organization, more and more people kind of understand it, even if they're not in the social team, mm -hmm. they know that it's important and they're looking for experienced leaders and director level people to come in and really build it as a true function right. inside. Um, like historically, I've seen it like live on the PR team for a little bit mm -hmm. and then it lives in the marketing team. And then like there's a CMO change and then it becomes the thing that the CMO cares about for a hot second. But like no one's no one's <laughs> thinking about how to properly resource it. Right. They just want this cool social thing. So over the last three or four years, I've started to see a shift where it's it's becoming a true marketing function. Um, just like paid media and growth marketing has become, or a PR department, it's becoming a department. And so I'm seeing leaders come in who are setting like a two, three, four year vision. Like this is what, if you want to do social, this is what it takes. I need, uh, I need a legal team that's empowering me. Right, I need right. mm -hmm. a creative team that's like moving quick and agile and like dotted line reports into social. I need a community manager. I need a copywriter. I need someone who can dig into the data and analytics and surface that to the marketing org, like monthly, weekly, you know, what have you. So I started to see it become a credible function that people are kind of respecting finally. Yeah. Instead <laughs> of like, a, yeah, instead of an extension and kind of a nice to have, why not? Like this is a low effort way of supporting the other stuff yeah. that we're prioritizing that's more right. traditional. Now it sounds like, and, and I like your comment on the legal thing, like you're moving up in priority to the point where it's like, for us to do what we need to do for our channel, like we need to not yeah. like have to rely on, we need these, re we need actual resources to be able to muster and yeah. do our thing properly versus back in the day, the legal team might not even know any of the best practices around social or whatever, because they're mostly spending 90% of their time reviewing like TV spots or, you know, whatever else those kind of concerns were, the priority concerns were, mm -hmm. but now it's so essential. I'm curious, um, what, is it kind of like QR codes or what about the pandemic yeah. <laughs> made it like yeah. put the gas, like so, you said, like poured the gas on the fire? Um, I, I saw it a little bit at Lyft, you know, especially as like a transportation travel company, the, the lockdowns were real. People were not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. um, so they're not looking at their phones and getting a push notification. They're not like opening an email. Plus you add in just like the trauma of what was going on. Mm -hmm. Like they're trying to get their kids homeschooled. They're trying to work from home themselves, or maybe they're juggling two or three jobs, or maybe they're a healthcare worker. <laughs> they're stressed. Like nobody gave a about your marketing, <laughs> you know, but when they turned to 
some form of news coverage or decompression or stay, trying to stay connected with family and friends, they all turned to social media, all of them. So you started to see little Slack communities blossom where like, you know, marketers would stay in touch or uh, brand marketing took off on Twitter all of a sudden where brand marketers were tweeting. And there was like these micro communities that were developing because we weren't able to actually see each other in person. And so it didn't make sense to run Super Bowl spots or TV right. spots or do your growth marketing because the way the consumer behavior had completely changed, yet one thing stayed stayed the same, if not was was even more important in people's lives in people's lives, and it was social media. So I saw a complete plus we're considered like free or lower cost. Sure. And right. I saw a lot of companies pivot to using their social channels to reassure people that they're here, they care, you know, we're in this together. Right. In our in our case, we were um, using it to lean into our values as a company. Mm -hmm. So not a lot of people know that Lyft has this uh, like nonprofit sort of corporate good arm called Lyft Up. Mm. And we were leaning into that, letting people know that we can help them get rides if they're struggling. We can help, like, we had to, we had drivers kind of helping, right. you know, take groceries to senior citizens and things like that. Nice. So it became, um, it became a channel for building community, really, with your consumers at the end of the day. And it's not stopped and, since. And you seem like, with the lift up, like you had a purpose like a true purpose mm -hmm. and, and a need for that purpose in particular that was, you know, because of the pandemic and everything there was like, this is why we, you already had that in place, but now there was a additional reason to get out there and kind of back that up and tell that story and round out kind of yeah. beyond the, the standard kind of like product stuff. So yeah. How, how do you decide or, or, you know, uh, like what's the process for like under, like defining your, area of which you oversee and are responsible for and, and is, is is it a spectrum of things or is it mm -hmm. i have very discrete things i'm going to work on or some things are like or do you have any this stuff we're going to experiment with this stuff we're going to use that that kind of mm -hmm. stuff so that's a great question because like we've lived through google plus and then huh. like that may it died. rest in peace <laughs> you know no, i'm still on <laughs> rest it in peace. i'm still on it <laughs> <laughs> um and like be real became a thing all of a sudden or clubhouse and i don't oh, know right. maybe because i've been in maybe i've been in the you game sound so a little long. bitter yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. A little cynical a little skeptical <laughs> yeah a little jaded yes but i i see these things pop up and everyone's like oh my god oh my god uh i need an invite to clubhouse or i need a whatever and i'm just huh. kind of like all right I'll believe it when I see it, like sure. stick around for two or three years and then maybe we'll, maybe we'll consider it. Um, so for me, what it, when I get, sometimes I get asked like, Oh, should we be on this channel? And I'm always like, for, for the way I approach it at being at a brand is like, is our audience there sure. first of all? So if we're going after like Gen Z millennial riders or drivers or what have you, like, are they there? Let's right. like dig into the psychographic yeah data on who's actually using the platform and why and then second is all right if we do think it's worth investing time and resources into that how do i sell that up mm -hmm. um, because i'm going to need someone to make the content 
and someone to report on it, someone to monitor and manage yeah. these channels. And I saw, I saw that shift, I think with TikTok. So we are resetting our TikTok handle this year, but we were the, we were one of the first rideshare brands on the platform. We were actually mm -hmm. one of like a handful of brands in the early days and we treated it as an experiment. We were okay. like, oh, well the audience we are going after the data says they're here. Mm -hmm. This is a, this seems like it's a different vibe. Yeah. I hate that word. I use it too much, but it's going more in an entertainment route. It's going more in a positive route. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. I think there's a lot of trolling yeah. and stuff that happens on Twitter, but like it was less trolled. Um, and we view ourselves as a fun, delightful brand. So we were like, okay, well it kind of makes sense for us right, to experiment, right. but let's keep it under the rake radar to be honest we didn't tell too many folks in turn like we had the permission of our vp of marketing and our founder right. to like you didn't go, publicize go it experiment. internally a lot yeah. we didn't we weren't like hey everybody in marketing we're on right. tiktok now right. because we knew the second we did that all of a sudden everyone would be like well can we do something with tiktok can we work right. and it's like we weren't set up for that just yet we wanted to just treat it as a little bit of the wild west and learn what we could learn and watch what other brands were doing as well and seeing who was out front. But I think we struggled, to be honest, because we had sort of launched in the spirit of experimentation, but hadn't really put a team against it in full. It was kind of like we'd post there when we had something to post or we'd jump on a trend. And I think this year we're going to look at like completely resetting it. It's almost like now that we know what we know, what would we do differently? So it seems. So those like... are the things I look at. Right, right. So it seems very important for you to make sure you're approaching it seriously and giving it the rigor that it deserves. Yeah. And sometimes that it, like to your point, yeah. requires a channel to have a certain level of maturity so that you kind of know what it is. Or I guess my question would be like, when you're experimenting with stuff, it seems like as, as long as you know, like in that instance, you were clear mm -hmm. about experimenting. So you knew like, it wasn't like there was an expectation that was here and you were right. here because it was like, we're just going to kind of, what's the expression people say, like, fuck around and find out? Isn't yeah. that the new thing? <laughs> yeah. um, I say that all the time. Yeah, you do. That's You coined that, actually. Yeah. Um, What's interesting to me, though, is that you have a trigger. Like, if, if this becomes, quote, unquote, you know, real to you, mm -hmm. that requires an investment to get the right kind of team around it to support it, which yeah. is interesting. Yeah. And then the one thing I wanted to ask yeah. you was, you say, you know, this brand is happy. We're, ha you know, we're a, we're a positive brand. Do you literally go and map like brand values to the the platforms that you're in and sort of look at it that way? Or is that mm -hmm. an act that goes on or do you, is that just sort of a gut it's, feel? It's more the channels we decide to be on are based on are is the person or the group that right. we're trying to reach there. Are they the most active there? Do they consume branded content there? Do they consume culture and entertainment there? Um, so that's what we kind of look at is like, let's be on the channels that make the most sense for us. Um, because at the end of the day, we are a brand, sure. you know, we, we're, we're social, I think is different than other marketing channels because we can build a community. We can like slip into people's DMS and be like, Hey, we really love that post that you made. Do you want to partner? Like no other email can't do that. Right. Push notifications can't do that. We're the only one that can truly like right. build a human persona the around word the social, like it was supposed to be right. right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was the point. I yeah. Thought, yeah, right? We kind of lost that at some point, but yeah. yeah. So, so we, I always look at it like, who are they there? And then strategically, um, 
this is the other thing that I love about social is the platforms are constantly changing and the use cases are constantly changing. Um, so something that was the way it should be six months ago is not necessarily the case anymore, which makes their jobs really hard, but also exciting because you got to keep up with the pace of change. But um, so we look at, okay, so our, is the right person there? And then what's the way for the brand to show up there? Because every channel is technically different. Um, there's, you know, Instagram once upon a time was like all about the visual aesthetic. Right, right. And now we're, we're seeing it go in a meme direction, like a raw sort of unhinged, just like memeified platform. Mm. Whereas I think six or seven years ago, that would be like, ew, right, it's not right, beautiful right, photos. Right, right, right. Um, and Twitter has become, I mean, Twitter's Twitter, but it has for, for brands, it's become a place to, to, to have a persona and just kind of like be a little loose with your brand guidelines and your brand tone and stuff like that. So I always look at who's there, what's the way we can show up on that particular channel to speak to that person and the way that they behave on the platform. And then how do we always tie it back to who we are, what we do and what we stand for. And that's where content strategy comes in. And I think that once upon a time there was, you know, you'd have one master content strategy and you're like, this is what we are on social. Huh. And now, now you, now you got to break it up. You got to be like, this is who we are on social. And then this is kind of what we lean into more on TikTok. This is what we are on Twitter. This is what we are on Instagram. It all kind of like yeah. dotted line ladders up, but you have to kind of put a slight different spin on it for all of the channels. So let's dig into that a little yeah, more. You are mapping though, which I like. You're mapping it back to the where we're trying to land based on what we know about the audience mm -hmm. we're after. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I exactly. guess I'm curious because I've heard this on the paid social side. Like, some paid social strategy can come down to, or just paid search and all that, like digital paid. Like mm -hmm. I'm gonna put money to support this on Google AdWords, I'm gonna mm -hmm. put it on Instagram. And then I've heard people say, but I'm not gonna, for this specific thing, I'm not gonna put it on TikTok because it wouldn't like vibe to use that word, like with whatever, with everything else. Like yeah. if it's in your feed and this ad comes up, it's a total like tonal shift. And it doesn't yeah, it make is. sense. And so that's, I'm curious, like, say you're representing something very serious, right? Right. Like, how do you get mm -hmm. into TikTok in a way, or do you even get into TikTok? Or do you, in a, do you bother, right? In, in a way that, like, makes sense, that isn't dissonant and actually helps you. I'm kind of curious how you much you feel like you can flex and bend a, a brand around something like that. I've been pleasantly surprised okay. by what I see brand, brands doing on TikTok, especially. I think it's um, emerging as a form of entertainment. So, I mean, the data is there. That demographic that spends the most time on that platform is not watching TV. They're not streaming right. Hulu. They're not, they're not, they're not. This is how they consume. Right. Like, this is where their time is. Right. This is how they, they're entertained or learning something. Those are the two big reasons they're on there. And I've seen brands... Um, to your point, like they tried to put ads on there and literally right. swiped, they oh, swipe right sure. by because they want to be entertained. So I've seen brands um, who you would think are like, we were talking about the AARP account the other day. Yeah, it was very, <laughs> hurt, very hurtful. I want to just share this really quickly. <laughs> Rhino was sending me these uh, TikToks from right. the AARP, which I felt there was an ageist behavior an ageist from her perspective. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, could you t explain that? Cause it is That's an interesting, cool. yeah. it was, I tried to share it with my parents and they were insulted that I was going to share something from the eight. <laughs> Yeah. But explain that because so, that's a great yeah. example of an unexpected. Let's kind go of... beyond the baggage mm -hmm. of AARP. Right. What, what right. was the tactic? I'm curious. Yeah. So, uh, you know, AARP is as, as a brand, you picture, you know, retirees and like people in their 60s taking advantage of these benefits. You, you picture retirees, actually. Right. But what I I was pleasantly surprised by, and I got served the, an an ad, but it wasn't a traditional ad. It was just one of their TikToks that they had like boosted, and it was so self. What's the word? Self-effacing. Like they mm -hmm. knew that there's a there's a point as you get into adulthood where you don't realize you're getting old, but you are. <laughs> you know right. and so em embrace that and so they have this guy on their tiktok who is just leaning into the fact that he's getting a little bit older and he's like getting a little more out of touch with like what's cool and hip and he's just be him being himself and i think that's the magic of what brands are are starting to find on tiktok is like when you don't take yourself too seriously and you come off super relatable and people can see themselves doing that dumb thing or saying that dumb thing or feeling that insecurity, it really, really works. At the same time, it's entertaining because you can see yourself, you see your friend, you see your mom, your dad, like in that mm -hmm. type of content that makes it super wow. shareable, which is why, which is why I sent it to Charlie. I was <laughs> like, why? <laughs> why is this speaking to me? And also, why do you like look like him? <laughs> yeah, I, I um, feel even more targeted now because, right. you know, I do feel like I'm getting older and that did resonate with me. So, I am older, I mean, so it, was, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> but so that's a really interesting way, an example of dimensionalizing it, where this guy does a nice job creating content. Like to me, it's there's someone at ARP came up with an insight that was like, yeah, everybody gets older or some version right. of that. That's like whether you're getting older you're you know feel like you're about to getting older or you went through that and you are older it's a distinct yeah. like humorous time in your or potentially humorous time in your life where you're like that feels real and it's not like the traditional like wallowing in old age mm -hmm. or like the you know you see those ads for like uh like you know, retirement, like insurance and all yeah. that yeah. stuff where it's just like yeah. expected age of life when it's all this like depressing <laughs> shit. But yeah. just like I, if I yeah. was in that, yeah, I wouldn't want to see that. I know that like this is bringing a new fresh perspective that bridges yeah. kind of generation. Whoa. How do you, because there's some of this stuff we're, we're talking primarily so far about, you know, here's content that one -on -one, Lyft is right. pushing out and people react and there's comments around it. But when we're talking about like maybe a Reddit AMA or we're talking about, you know, we want to do a YouTube sponsored mm -hmm. thing where it's more that YouTubers, you know, voice and identity and brought to you by Lyft or, you know, kind of these, some of those get into weird, again, back to like fringe areas of, is this a social media thing or is there an influencer team that does that? Is that part of that? And I'm yeah. curious how you right. approach those. Cause there's definitely to use the old, old, you know, the social like dynamics and communities that exist around those, but it's very different mm -hmm. than like a, Twitter post, you know, like it's a very yeah. different kind of dynamic and, 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 and the voice could be very different too. Yeah. So influencers sits on my team, okay. um, for two, for two reasons. Um, part of it to, to what you're, you're hinting at is they are a little micro community of their own. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they have more followers than us and more influence right. than us on that particular community niche. Sure. Um, and then also 
you know, thinking about that Venn diagram, there's only so many ways I can talk about Lyft having rental cars in a very culturally relevant way, or there's only so many ways I can talk about, you know, weight lifts, weight and save feature. Um, So we work with influencers for two, the strategy behind it always comes back to like, is our audience there? Mm -hmm, Right. So like we are going after Gen Z rider or what have you, um, who is maybe, uh, cost conscious, then we should be working with an influencer, YouTuber, a TikToker, what have you, Instagrammer even, there's, there's still influence there, um, who is credible and speaks about saving money or money hacks or lifestyle hacks to talk about wait and save, which is a feature in the Lyft app that if you wait a little bit, you'll save some, you'll save some money. Um, so it's more credible coming from them and we let them kind of shape the content for what works for their channel. And also they tend to have more reach than us. They'll reach without paid, especially they'll reach the exact kind of group we're trying to educate on. Um, So sometimes I'll suggest when we're thinking about a campaign or we're launching a feature, I'll say like, yeah, the Lyft channel can editorialize it or make a meme out of it. And that's fine. But really just kind of like talking to the community we've already built there, especially organically if the goal is a build awareness for this, you know, rental car feature that we have, then we should probably be working with someone who can build awareness audience for for this with a, with an audience and let them know that we have it. Um, So we, so that's one way that we use them. And then we've also started to pull them into our own channels because people want to see quote themselves, right? They want to see someone who looks like them and sounds like them and talks like them. Um, and using influencers to help build Lyft's own content strategy is how we use them as well. Interesting. So um, you can use them to get yeah. more insights, like you're saying, the anthropology thing or authenticity, right. because yeah. they are those people and talk to those people more than mm-hmm. any brand could ever hope to spend mm-hmm. that. I mean, that's their literally like their bread and butter, right? How do you work with them or collaborate with them Mm. or brief them around. I've seen this, this hopefully happens less, but I remember back in the day we do stuff and then, you know, whether it was Samsung or whatever else, they'd be like, we want them to say this and they will do this. And there'll be three tweets and there'll be two videos. And it was like structured, like a traditional, like it was an ad campaign, ad campaign, right? right? Like the contract looked like that, but had social channels in it. I hate that world of, of, uh, influencer. I find it to be very transactional. right where it's like there's an exchange of money and they say the thing and then hashtag ad and then everybody moves on with their life and we've experimented with that don't get me wrong like sometimes that is the the biggest fastest way is to work with like a top youtuber or tiktoker who can do the job and get the thing or something Mm -hmm. like that yeah but what i'm what i'm advocating for and what i believe philosophically is that People eventually can see through that and that sure. influencer you worked with three years ago for the Samsung thing, like is kind of irrelevant or has gotten way too big where they're, they wouldn't even take Samsung's money anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I try to look for going forward is I want authenticity. I want, I want people who may not have millions and millions of followers, but who live our brand, use our products, maybe even have organically talked about us once or twice because they actually use the product and they're, you know, in a lift taking a video and they mention the lift driver or what have you. So I, I'm pushing for more authenticity and I want people to 
build a relationship with us, honestly. Um, and a, an example of how we've done that recently is uh, there's a TikToker, his name's Jimmy Darts, and he goes around and he surprises people with, well, he challenges them to do a kindness thing, something, do nice. something kind. And then if, um, if they do it, he turns around and surprises them with a wad of cash. So we've leaned into him. Um, he uses lifts. He's a fan of lift. He actually reached out to us first and he was like, I really love what you guys stand for. And I, I take lifts all the time and I see an opportunity to make some content and really show my audience. Who's a lot of Gen Z type folks. Um, you know, what, what Lyft drivers are really like, they're actually really cool. So we partnered with him, not just like did one or two videos, but we've partnered with him for about six videos and he's woven us into his content. So it's That's a real relationship. Very organic, right. It sounds really nice. Yeah. And he does these moments with the Lyft driver where he gets to know them and then like surprises them with a huge tip. And then they like, Oh, they cry so like it reinforces our brand values and that we care about the driver community and that we're a good you know good energy type of brand but having him do that is a lot more authentic than us trying to do it you know sure. because it's what he does and he's known for that so if it's it's more there's more of an emotional connection for I mean, for us as a brand to be in his community versus the other way around i, I love that and i think you know there was a time period where to your point, is like a quick way to get some level of exposure and people were trading in. And I think it hurt everybody yeah. because I won't mention the brand. I don't know if you worked on this, Bryna, but we were definitely <laughs> working together at the time where CeeLo Green was paid $30,000 for like a tweet. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it was yeah. just like, A, why him? Like, mm -hmm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Like he was popular. I mean, he's popular, was popular, yeah. but specifically why him versus, you know, a billion other people. And he did the tweet mm -hmm. and all that stuff. But then 15 minutes later, he did a tweet that wasn't part of the contract that had nothing to do with it. Like making that brand tweet a disgusting pornographic kind of thing. And there was nobody had the ability <laughs> to do anything about it because he fulfilled the transactional right. obligation. Yeah. And then he did this other thing, which he probably thought was funny or whatever. And it was fine. Mm -hmm. Like if you're an adult, but if you're like a conservative brand, you're like, oh my God, what are we going to do? Right. Blah, blah, blah. But what I think that shows a little bit of the light of the transactional stuff is if you try to do it mm -hmm. that way and not have an actual relationship, like mm -hmm. that would never happen in a real relationship based thing with an mm -hmm. influencer because they would want to keep working right. with you because it would make yeah. sense and it is authentic sure. versus like, here's 30,000 bucks to well, tweet. I don't give a shit about you and I'll never talk to you. I, yeah. I, I think it's mostly people mistake reach as something that's going to work. I mean, it's just reach sure. is reach. Yeah. That's all it is. It's not, it's not a relationship. And so that becomes the problem. I, I, I'm biased, but we had a really funny tweet back in November. Uh, Pete Davidson was sure. trending on Twitter mm -hmm. because um, he, so, so he had broken up with Kim Kardashian over the summer. And there's just like a human truth about Pete Davidson on the internet that he lands these beautiful women all the time. But everyone was speculating all summer, like if he broke up with Kim, who's who's next? Right. Who's you know? So there was these jokes floating around the internet, like people were guessing who he'll date, and it became a joke where people were making kind of fun of it. They're like, Pete Davidson's going to date the, you know, the tr the Pacific Garbage Patch next, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, things like that. A lot that. of photoshops so, and stuff with him with like Ian, yeah. uh, Ian McKellen. Right, I saw like that. that. Yes. <laughs> So it became just like an internet joke. And then this was over the summer. And then suddenly he starts trending, I think in November. 
And we click into it and we see that TMZ had broken that he started dating this model, Emily Radikowski or something. Um, So we quickly like to find the lift way in the sneaky links and stuff like that. We quickly ginned up a tweet that said, call her, call her a lift or Pete Davidson will, which is like, you better treat her nice or (laughs) or Pete Davidson will steal her. Um, So that like went super viral for us in terms of our metrics and stuff. Like it was like our most successful tweet. We got picked up in in earned and press coverage. And then our, to answer your question, our paid team boosted it and it went, even more viral, so to speak, like more and more people saw it, more and more, more people were like, this is a really funny ad, like nice job lift, even though it wasn't an ad, right. we had we had juiced it to where it just was super relatable, super relevant, and happened to just reach a broader audience because of the paid juice, but it wasn't intended to be an ad. It made lift like fun and culturally relevant for a hot sec. For, I, I'm making it seem like we're in the like, you know, the heyday of social, we are, but, um, a big, I always tell my team, I'm like a big part of our jobs is education. Sure. You know, yeah. so I spend 50% of my time talking to cross-functional teams or explaining to our execs why we should do something, why we didn't do something or like, Hey, this is like what other brands are doing, or this is how we should be using these platforms. Now look at right. the data, look at the data. Here's the insights. So big part of my job is education. And when I first Anytime I've started on the brand side, whether that was when I started at Dolby, building out the content and social team, or whether I was at Stitch Fix or even at Lyft when I started in May of 2020, you a lot of social leaders come into these orgs where there's that impression that like, oh, social is this, or like, yeah, this is, right. yeah, Precon- matching luggage, this is channel. notion of what it is, yeah. And I would say, though, I get asked this sometimes from, from other social leads, like, how were you able to build the team or how did you get the creative sources you needed? A big chunk of it was, what was, was taking cross-functional people on this journey with me. So it's, it's a, it's a lot easier for me to come in and say, oh, you want to do the matching luggage thing? Okay. Well, I can tell, you know, based on my experience, that's probably not going to work, but I'm willing to collaborate. I'm willing to be a team player and I'll let the data show you that I'm right. Yeah. So I uh, always say like go. three, three strikes, you know, like, okay, we yeah. did this your way, or we did this matching luggage thing, or like, to your point about like the talking points, like, oh, we, we were a little too heavy handed with the talking points on that influencer content. Look, the performance on it bombed. So I use those as like a learning example. And over the course of three years at Lyft, it's been able to give me a lot of credibility and a, a bigger seat at the table to where we can say, we're not going to do that. We're going to do this. Or like, Hey, yes. actually that probably makes more sense for you to partner up with a paid team. Cause this is your goal. This is exactly the target. You're trying to reach people who, you know, are, have taken an airport ride at LAX. I can't help you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> my, my community is much more broad and much more, you know, you know, like d- multidimensional. Um, so if you're looking for broad awareness and brand, I can help you. But if you're, if you're going this route, I can't, but there was a time when, you know, luckily I have executives who understand social and want to invest in it and like, and, and view me as a credible leader with experience, but not every organization is like that. A lot of times there yeah. is a big, big chunk of misunderstanding across the org. Sure. And so it's yeah. sometimes frustrating for social leads because they do spend a lot of time educating. Well, I think there's a couple of things there is one is like, you've spent the time and we do a lot on client education, not in social as much, but now in, you know, AI and, and, you know, esports and just stuff that's, I would say, even further 
out from like adoption and social, which it, most organizations have some level of some level, some of, level familiarity. of understanding. Yeah. But you're sitting in that still today, 2023, and continuing to have to fight that fight and educate because there is, mm-hmm. they're just, and I think that is part of like all of our jobs, which right. is just like in, in, in your space too, it's that in itself, even though social media has been around for a while, it's changing constantly and what can come of it. And so you never forget like that this is something where we need to bring people along in this journey. And there's people that I've seen it, we've seen it, I'm sure on the agency side, a social lead comes in at a client who's spent their whole life doing this and doesn't understand or gets frustrated that like, why don't you understand like how important this is for like my generation or there's no translation. There's no translation. Right. But then it's like a bull Mm -hmm. in a China shop where you're like, well, to your point with the data, like you're, taking the time to educate and like not a, like just in a genuinely collaborative way well, versus like yeah. you need to get on TikTok well, what I, what tomorrow. I, like that doesn't really work in organizations in particular. And you go, you can come across in a sloppy way or it doesn't make sense. Like what the hell are they doing over here while right. we're trying to do this? Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's mm-hmm. a the fact that 50% of your job is still education, I think is a huge I mean, it's mm-hmm. huge. Of, I think also where the space is growing still and how it's still evolving. It's not flat. You don't have to do that no. much education around like a TV spot requirement. Like we've known that yeah. for a while. No, I know? mean, I, I think what you've got going that's really smart, though, is you have criteria. You have data. Your data, your yeah. data enabled. You're not just, you know, mm-hmm. some of the stuff you're going after on a little bit of a flyer, but that's more of your experimentation side. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it, you're like saying, here's the, here's where our audience, you're all, you've led every response to us. Our audience is here. So it's like, mm-hmm. you already know where the people are. Yeah. You have some of the factors you're trying to get to, you know what you, and the other thing, the other big thing that every branch you think about is know what you stand for. You yeah. can't. And we, yeah. use, we use the terms like fit and friction a lot at, for Timecraft, which is like, where do you fit? Like based mm-hmm. on what they're doing and what right. you're about, there's a, there's a place there. And if you don't get it, you get that friction which leads to the swiping or outrage or like the tone deafness mm-hmm. some brands right. can fall into too, where it's just like, I can't believe yeah. you did that, that they're doing right. this here because they didn't have an awareness of what makes sense for that community or what are their priorities or what things they like to talk about or their belief systems and all of that stuff, which I think is, is a common trap to fall in. I guess one question I had is like for the future, like this 50% isn't going to go away. <laughs> You're going to have to keep educating. <laughs> So I was curious with some of the, whether it's AI, some of the web three kind of Chat decentralized GPT. community stuff like that, like what you kind of see on the horizon. I mean, discord is becoming more and more mm-hmm. like, like what do you kind of see as the next step or, or, mm. or, you know, yeah, do you, do you automate any of your stuff now or is it all authentically hand done or I mean any of Or that? even on the back end, we've heard right. more clients like using AI tools to help craft content or right. to whatever, you know, we'll have to, I think just as a caveat, well, as a society, I still feel like we need to figure out a lot of things around like, this is a bigger what's question. the appropriate use of AI is, this, yeah. you know, like that kind of stuff, but curious how you guys are kind of looking at. I'm actually, technologies. yeah, I'm actually more excited about the AI chat GPT, you know, mid journey world as, sure. a, as a social marketer than I am like about the, once upon a time, like clubhouses or be reels of the world, because sure. I actually think that is like, it's, it's a, a next iteration of creativity, mm-hmm. to be honest, you know, yes. um, we just partnered with, um, uh, we just partnered with an AI designer I'm blanking on his name. I think his, um, his name is Ronnie Alman, but for New York fashion, we, we partnered with him and he 
basically reconcepted what Lyft would look like as a 90s streetwear brand. Nice, cool. All all AI generated. It's actually really, really cool. It was like one of our best performing posts in a very, very long time. And I think for two reasons, it just showed like a fun, creative, entertaining new spin on Lyft. But also it was leaning into this like uncharted territory where sure. people are like, if we had said, oh, like this guy just designed it, maybe it would have taken off. But I think the fact that it was AI driven was like intriguing to people. Sure. So I think we're going to see more and more of this uh, like traditional way of making content or thinking about content blending with AI, but being like very open about it because I think it's kind of seen as innovative, innovative and cool and culturally relevant to be leaning into that as a, as a company and a brand. So that's interesting because we've been doing some conversational AI workshops with brands just to like better get them acquainted to what they could do internally and like externally. Like you said, it's the them. teaching time and we're teaching. Yeah. So there's a lot of teaching. Yeah. And one of the biggest things we've talked about is like how transparent, when should you be transparent about using it? Like there was a story not long ago about those, there's those shootings in Michigan and I think it was Vanderbilt University used ChatGPT to help, help write a note to all the students that was just like, you know, sorry, you know, right. but basically like a heartfelt thing and they got roasted mm -hmm. on it. And it was a fascinating mm -hmm. one for me because like between us, it's like, I think a lot of those like condolence or thoughts and right. prayers kind of messages are kind of templated by humans anyway. Yeah. So the idea that yeah, it was like, we're wasn't, all borrowing that from someone It wasn't else's. heartfelt yeah. and used a machine is kind of a disingenuous kind of bullshitty argument because it's not like how often have you got a note like that? That's truly like right. custom, like yeah. they're trying to, they're, they're trying to do the right thing, but they declared it. If they hadn't even mentioned at the bottom no ChatGPT, they no, probably no yeah. one would notice. But yeah. in your instance, it's a good one because it's like we're trying to future cast a little or like having fun with it. So it makes sense to put it mm -hmm. out there it in that way. So it's kind of, it'll yeah. be a whole interesting, I think, level of guidelines on both behind the scenes as well as like externally around like what is appropriate. Sure. We even talked in one, mm -hmm. of, those uh, one of those workshops about press releases. It's like, can you use... Like, can you use a uh, chat GPT to write a press release? And people were debating it. And they're like, well, like, why not? Like, it's a very formulaic thing. Like, we kind of have to do it. No one's like, we're going to mm -hmm. differentiate with this press release and everyone's going to love it. Like, mm -hmm. that never happens. And then I even got to the point of people saying, well, when I write a quote for my CEO, can I you know, can I, can I just generate that? Cause he's not writing it. I would be writing yeah. it anyway, or not? she's not writing yeah. it. I'm not going to like yeah. whatever the situation is like, it's, it's all manufactured anyway. So why are we going through the subterfuge of me pretending that, or anybody, no one reads that press release has worked in this and says like, that sounds like something that C-suite, <laughs> you know, she would have said that right. like no one has ever done no, that. It's clearly true. like generated. I think it's a tool. I think yeah, I think yeah, if you were to just be like, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put my CEO quote here in ChatGPT and call it a day," I think it's like just like you know, spell check <laughs> helps us exactly. make our right. content better. I think it's a tool that helps like you be more productive or think think more, you know, clearly about an idea or a concept, if you're going in right. the mid journey direction, you can see like, let's explore the possibilities of this. Like let's expand our minds. But I don't think it's like, you just take it and package it up and For that's sure. the final thing. And I think we, it's a tool. In the workshop, we actually have a slide that says it's another tool because yeah. it's exactly, yeah. I mean, <laughs> cool. to be honest, like we're on the yeah. same page because right. 
we were saying like now maybe it's like just put it into social. It's like say you're just starting in social and you're responsible for writing content. Instead of writing, you know, one piece of content and spending all that time, maybe you generate a couple different ones based on a couple different prompts. You have mm -hmm. more to work with. So you curating you and share. writing. Yeah. It augments what you're doing versus like you're never to your point outsourcing it completely. And we equate it a little to like a calculator or something. It's like you're saving yourself time versus doing long division. You can just type mm -hmm. it in and you get something out. You still have to figure out what to do with these things and where and they it go. Also, yeah. It also but, gives you more choice. It also gives you yeah, more choice quickly, and it gives you more, yeah. ver it gives you more things to sort of look at. And maybe if you're lucky, there's an insight in there yeah. you weren't thinking yeah. about yeah. an approach to it. That's yeah. All. Last question. Is social media okay. net positive or negative for humanity? One word answer. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we could just cut it right here. Thank you so much, Yeah, thank Brian. you so much for playing. <laughs> um, um, I talk about this all the time in my own household. I think it has <laughs> had negative effects on society. To be honest, I think like attention disorders, I think insecurities, mental health. But at the same time, it's, you know, launched movements and connected people over serious topics like Me Too and climate change. And um, it's all in how it's used, to be yeah. honest. And I think I think it does need to be regulated. That's me being my getting on my policy, uh, my policy thing. But um, just like radio and TV are regulated, I think at some point we should rein, rein in how we use it. But for right now, you know, it is it has its moments of delight and entertainment that I think makes, makes you just feel human sometimes. Yeah. Oh, so. That's a good ending. Yeah. That's a good ending. Yeah.